Retro Rebel is brought to you by TempleofGeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at TempleofGeek.com. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebels release Fridays, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to TimbleofGeek.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcast. My name is Stacy, and with me, as always, is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. Hello. Hello. I have a camera today, so somewhere, somewhere on the uh, internet, there may be a picture of me, so I do exist. <laughs> it's confirmed for the first it time ever. <laughs> That's so ever. funny. Yeah, and you can kind of see behind me, I have a Batman painting. That's very on brand for you. So It is very on brand. I agree um, with this whole so. thing. Can you believe we've been doing <laughs> this since 2016, and this is the first time you've actually plugged in a webcam? <laughs> Can I believe that? Yes. Uh, others may have a harder time believing that. I can absolutely believe that. I am shooketh. Shooketh. <laughs> but uh, shall we crack on with what we've been playing this week? Yes, and enough of that. Yes, for sure. What have you been playing? Because I'm an embarrassment to gaming right now. <laughs> well, listen, it's Pokemon all day, or day. That's nice. what I've been doing. I'd like to say all day. I'm working, so it isn't all day. But every day I have been making a point to go out and and catch Pokemon outside. The only exception is the last two days because we had snow. Being a native Floridian, me and snow are not huge fans of each other without like basically anorak gear, which I don't own. It is cold. It's a full zero degrees. So uh, <laughs> it's chilly. In the Celsius or Fahrenheit Celsius. variety? Celsius. Okay. Yeah, so it's literal freezing, which is quite cold to have your fingers out and playing with things on your phone for hours at a time. Right, who would do that? But for the past two weeks, I've clocked uh, 30 kilometers each week, which is 18 miles for you American peeps out there. That's right. <laughs> um, and That's a lot of eggs to hatch. That's a lot of eggs to hatch. Actually, I find the eggs sometimes give you better stuff than you can catch. You know, they, they tend to be three-star Pokemon instead of just sort of trash rubbish, right? which is like closer to the maximum for whatever Pokemon that is, which is pretty good. So I think the walking is the most beneficial part about it. Is Pokemon Go the best game that has ever existed? No. Is it even really a good game? Not really. If I want to be specific about it, I think there are a lot of mechanics in there designed to get you to spend money on more Pokeballs or whatever. Do you know, like, so is it right. is it a great game? Probably not. However, since we're all in lockdown in the UK and this lockdown has dragged on since December and probably will go for another month or two, um, it's a good way to get out and about and walking. So you find yourself just sitting inside and, you know, you want an excuse to get out and exercise in a manner that's probably a bit more rewarding than just staring at the same scenery that you've seen every day for a year. I would recommend it. Like, you know, it is free to play. And as long as you are strategic about what Pokemon you catch and win and 
stock up on Pokeballs before you, you know, go back to wherever you came from. You know, that you can play the game without spending money on it, I think, is probably the key takeaway. And it, it'll stay a little bit healthier. Right. Get you active. I, I, I still really like uh, Pokemon Go. It's one of those games that it, that I played that was uh, free to play that I did not. I did end up ultimately spending money on it early on. Uh, but not. I didn't feel like I ever had to. Honestly, I never really felt like I had to spend money on it. Uh, it wasn't until my kids were playing it a lot more and and they weren't quite as good at throwing the pokeballs. Yeah. At, and then they just kind of blew through them. And then you're like, well, as much time as we've spent, if I were to spend five bucks on you know on some coins to get pokeballs that so they can play for another couple hours, I just try to equate it always with. The time that I'm getting to spend on this and the cost. So, you know, I've, I've spent a lot more money for a, a much shorter period of time for entertainment. And uh, it just, it made sense to me. So, yeah. No, I get that. I mean, well, I have, I have purchased Pokeballs a couple of times, um, but I've now sort of come up with a strategy in order to try to stop doing that so essentially i leave maybe like five or so pokeballs for the next day and a few berries so that when i leave my house immediately i can have my buddy ready to go immediately i can start catching pokemon and then i have like a circuit that i go that has about 30 pokestops so by by the time I go one way through that circuit and then back to my house, I've got enough Pokeballs where if I wanted to play for an hour on the couch, I've got enough balls to do that with. So that's sort of the strategy. There's no Pokestops by your house? No, there like, aren't. I'm in a total oh, okay. dead zone. But there's Pokemon by your house. Yeah, they spawn everywhere that you are. I think I think the game must know that you are there and procedurally generate it some, but... Right. <laughs> that's, that's changed since I was going to say that's changed since I guess it originally came out. So I've been playing, I've been playing mostly some free to play games that you can get on mobile um, that I would not necessarily, I mean, I'm not going to necessarily recommend them. Uh, there's a, there's a blocks game that's, that's a little bit like Tetris in that, but you've got nine, nine blocks, nine by nine, I guess. So each block is... This game anyway. sounds There's lame already. <laughs> oh, it's super lame. But if you were sitting there, and as I have lately, and you uh, and there wasn't really anything else to play, and I absolutely do not want to get back into Hearthstone right now, right? Um, it, was, it would pass the time. So these are just brain teaser games. So they're like word find games and block games. I have played those a lot lately. I've also... Uh, I've also gotten... I've almost finished... Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, it's just taken me a little bit longer, but what I have found is if I can dedicate more than about 20 minutes in a sitting, I can actually knock out a considerable amount of a game, believe it or not. And I have not always had 20 minutes to sit down and play. So I found that when I was doing that, I was actually getting to more save points, and I was like, well, I'm actually really advancing the story. This has been a lot more fun. Uh, but uh, there's a there's a part in the game this you know this game's over you know well over a year old now maybe closer to, closer to 2 and uh so this is a minor spoiler but there's a part in the game where you're fighting the ninth sister and uh so it's, it's another sith acolyte and this one is a a huge yellow 
alien that has a that the first time you saw him was on um was on the movie uh it was episode nine or episode seven i'm sorry in the cantina so if you it was in the very first it was uh well, i can't remember what the actual name of that star wars movie is but it's the one where you meet ray for the first time right and so they they go with han solo to this planet where they meet uh maz katana maz Whatever her name was, the little the little bartender girl that's actually much older than she appears, but in her cantina there's this like mob boss looking giant yellow alien that's just got these girls are standing around him and and whatever. Anyway, it's that alien. They've got these horns that jut out of their chin and things like that. Right. And um, so really big, very powerful looking, and it took me about an hour and a half to beat that boss. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, and it was because it's, again, one of those things where you have to learn the mechanics. And once you learn the mechanics of the boss fight, a little bit like, you know, Dark Souls, uh, there are two or three phases to the boss fight. If Once you get to the second phase, they change up the mechanics, and so you have to change up how you defend things. Well, if you mess up, like, once or twice, well, then you get hit two or three times, and then it's over with. So you have to do that whole thing again. So you kind of have, you don't have to be perfect, but you got to be pretty close to perfect. And that means you got to do it enough times that you know every move, you can anticipate things. And it actually got to the point where it was kind of second nature. I wasn't even really thinking about it. I was just dodge, hit, hit, dodge, run around. He does the thing or she does the thing. I dodge, hit, dodge, run, you know, and everything was just like second nature because I'd done it for two damn hours. Um. But I actually had to step away from the game, and that I have found that happens a lot, and I don't know how many other gamers have ever found this, how much easier it is sometimes. You'll just step away from the game, and you're like, that's frustrating. And then you come back, and you beat it the first time. You come right, right back, and you beat it. And so that's kind of what ended up happening. Um, and then uh, this month, so in the month of February, Control, which I know you played it, right, and didn't really enjoy it. I didn't. It's too, it's too out there for me. Yeah. Story-wise. I think it's right up my alley. But remember, I don't know if you remember a few episodes ago, maybe a couple episodes ago, when it was on PS Now, and I was going to get to play it more or less for free, then uh, they changed the games that were available. And right when I got it downloaded, they pulled that game from PS Now. So I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even get to play it. Well, now it, it's a games. Uh, it's it's one of the games that they're giving away for you know your monthly uh, right, your monthly free game, right? Yeah, for a free game. So uh, for PlayStation, and so now I've got it downloaded. I'm I'm gonna once I finish Fallen Order, I'm gonna try my hand at that one. So, but I have not played Warcraft since we talked about it. Since I told you I wasn't playing it, and I walked away. So I feel like I'm quitting smoking. In a way. <laughs> you know? You're breaking your addiction with Blizzard games one day at a time. <sighs> one game at a time. Too, so. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I did. I did. I did have like a, a a temptation to play Diablo, but you know that and and I, and I that's one of those games where you can <laughs> get back into. I can't quit you, Blizzard. But <laughs> well, I do love their games, but um, you know, and I, I I've thought about writing an article if I have the time to uh, on Temple of Geek, like a postmortem open letter to blizzard as to why i'm why i'm walking away from it because i actually still really enjoy the game and i enjoy a lot of the old stuff so much more but uh, this expansion although i think it is it's a good expansion it's quality it was fun it's such a detachment 
or it's so detached from what originally they did in this game and and it makes the for something that's supposed to make the game feel so much bigger because you're actually in the afterlife now it actually to me makes the game feel much smaller and it makes the world feel much smaller and so i feel like i am just a part of whatever's in that little that that covenant that i selected i haven't been back to stormwind or any of the big hubs since it started there's no reason to you know and so you don't ever go back and do any of that content every now and then you might fly through someplace and you forget hey i want to work on my archaeology or something one of these skills that i haven't really maxed out and you could do that if you were just flying over someplace but in this expansion there is there are none of those things and anything you experience has to kind of really build your covenant and there is no really building the other covenants unless you're leveling an alt or uh, or you give up your covenant and go start over with this other covenant. So anyway, I just, it has made the world feel a lot smaller instead of bigger. And uh, so, uh, so, and those, and the, and the day-to-day things, I guess it to me, and this is the take home and then we can move on, but the, it, to me, it feels like because they made the world smaller, it, it, it has allowed me to see, uh, effectively see the strings. Like I can see, now I can see the day-to-day grind things that were hidden before because I could distract myself with so many more other things, if that makes sense. Right. Now that I just have my covenant, all I can see are my day-to-day, the grind work things that I need to do. I got to do Torghast. I got to collect these resources. I got to do that. Whereas I could do some of those things, but then I could be like, oh, yeah, I want to go over here and do pet battles. Or I can go over here and do this other thing. And it's... I can work on fishing or I can try to get these mounts or I can go grind these dungeons and try to, you know, get rep for some other thing. I can achieve other goals that now you're so detached from the world, you can't really even experience that stuff without really working uh, to go, you know, jump through some hoops to do it. So anyway, so, yeah, I don't think it's going to be that hard to quit. Wow. Because of that. Wow. And then they pissed me off with this six-month mount that they gave. As soon as I canceled my subscription, even though I have a six-month subscription, when I canceled it, they gave, uh, in January, they gave a a new mount for the the Chinese New Year, which, again, it's just a digital good. But it was kind of free with my, but once I canceled it, they didn't give it to me, even though I still have the six-month. That's so weird. It's weird. Anyway, so... But that's what I've been playing. So uh, that brings us to the news. The you news. got any news for us? I have a couple. So. I have three news. Three news. Uh, but they're kind of boring. So I'll ju- maybe I'll just rattle them off. You know, I think they're, they're <laughs> quite niche. So I guess the first one is that um, Ubisoft's shares have fallen, even though last quarter was their highest earning quarter, I think, on record, if not for like a very long time. And that's mostly due to Assassin's Creed, Valhalla, and a couple of their big titles launching um, at the t- sort of tail end of 2020. Um, but despite that, their shares have fallen by 6%. And I think, based on what I've read so far, this is mostly because they have revised their projections saying they're going to make slightly less billions um, this year than they thought they were going to make. Um, and then that, that's caused the star, the stock market to be a bit speculative against their favor. Um, but I think it's a bit premature because they've already been confirmed for the new Star Wars game, which they're working on. So even though Ubisoft as a company sort of sucks, um, 
they do have a lot of titles and franchises that are very desirable and that will sell. So I did think it was quite weird that their stocks have fallen. The next one is that Sledgehammer Games, which I don't know if you remember, but they made Call of Duty World War II back in the day. Oh, okay. And rumors are that they are now making the new Call of Duty that's coming out next year. Well, this year, stroke next year. <clears throat> and that's been purported by a Twitter account called Modern Warzone, who is pretty good at um, leaks and predicting things. So that should be interesting because Call of Duty World War II is, was a fairly popular installment of the franchise from what I understand. I don't really remember it, um, Call of Duty World War II. I think that was before I really cared about Modern Warfare, uh, or really cared about Call of Duty, although I don't super care about it, no offense to anyone who does. Um, care, care in any relative sense. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not one of my top must-play franchises. However, when I do get the opportunity to play it, I will play it. Um, so if <laughs> you were fans of Call of Duty World War II from back in the day, it's rumored that Sledgehammer Games is going to be making the next one. So it could be a good sign for people who might have fallen out of love with the franchise in recent years. It might reinvigorate you. And then the last one is um, the streamer Ninja has decided to quit Fortnite. And I'm going to put that in air quotes because I feel like sometimes YouTube and Instagram celebrities will often claim that they're leaving this and that platform or whatever and then not actually do it. But he is deciding to quit Fortnite, which of course made him famous because he experienced four instances of stream sniping in a single sitting. Which I can understand that would make you be done. So for anybody that's not familiar with stream sniping, that's where someone is watching your live stream so that they can find you and kill you within a multiplayer game. So they're basically cheating in order to find right. you. And, you know, people will uh, cycle and cycle and cycle through um, trying to get into the Battle Royale match that you're in. And once they are in the Battle Royale match that you're in, they use your live stream of your game to find where you are. So it effectively means that you can't really have much in the way of tactics and other people just sneak up on you all the time. You're not expecting it. So this apparently happened to him four times in a single game, like the same person doing it. And he was like, I'm done with this. And I, I kind of get it. And I think that um, uh, game developers and platforms should provide a way for you to... Um, report and crack down on this sort of thing because if people continue to do that streamers are not going to enjoy their experience they're going to make less content you know like it it's not good for anyone that enjoys watching streams i'm not one of those people but i can see why you might you know enjoy watching streams and so if that's something that you care about i think it's probably worth um you know, voicing your displeasure at the fact that this sort of behavior is generally not a bannable offense. Right. Because it may be hard to prove. Anyway. It's hard to prove. Yeah. But I think I think at that point, you should just go off of like a three strikes and you're out policy. If someone reports you for stream sniping three times, you're probably doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like right. if three different people say that you're doing it, you probably are, you know, like, uh, I don't think that's crazy. So maybe that's... Well, and, and it can be a temporary ban. You know, something that's, you know, a couple hours. You're banned for a few hours. Yeah, a cooling you off know. period just so that you can't interrupt the stream or whatever. You know, I don't think that would be right. a bad shout. 
But it is a shame because, you know, Ninja is, of course, famous for playing Fortnite. You know, he is a beloved streamer by many people, although I'm not personally a fan. I can, you know, I can see why people will be upset that he's leaving the game over something that is essentially cheating, which should already be banned right. anyway. Right, right. And uh, I've never understood it. I, I, I just that's not fun to me. To, to play with people who are cheating, I remember how bad it was on SOCOM back in the PS2 days because it was just so easy to do, uh, so easy to cheat. I mean, it, there was no stream sniping, but it was just there were mods and other things that you could use that would you could shoot through buildings and through barriers and things, and so you, there was no hiding. So um, it just it, it makes it no fun for those that are playing, and that's kind of what uh, what Ninja was saying. He's like, you're making a name for yourself. That's why you're doing this. You know, so that you can be seen. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, I don't blame him for being upset at all. Uh, well, uh, I got a couple uh, pieces, couple news uh, myself. That uh, first one here is uh, CD Projekt Red was hacked and uh, was hacked and held uh, their information or their source code at ransom. So if they didn't pay the ransom, then these hackers were going to release the source code and, and, uh, CD Projekt Red refused to pay the ransom. And at this point, I don't guess I blame them because they've already sold, like, what, 13 million copies of their game? And so, uh, you know. And but, if you boy. did pay the ransom, there's no guarantee that they would delete the source code. Oh, you know, they're sure. just going to keep they would coming back. So at time. that point, right. you just have to take your chances and roll the dice. They should have asked for something that there's a guarantee that they would get back. You know, if right. they paid the ransom. Right. You know, they could that have they changed could the passwords the on their servers or something like that, you know, and held that to ransom. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I hate it. You know, they've had a, a, a string of, of bad incidents. Lots of information coming out after uh, Cyberpunk was released about the tumultuous uh, production and, and a lot of the things behind the scenes. It's not even supposed to be a first person shooter originally. And so, uh, yeah, this is just another one of the another another punch to the gut for that company. Um, but uh, in other news, though, the Mass Effect trilogy, uh, the Legendary Edition, or the remaster—I guess it's not really a remake per se. It is a remaster, so it's taking the original and and just uh, I guess improving graphics, giving it all basically a facelift, which is funny enough. No pun intended, really. Uh, it wasn't intended, anyway. It may be getting a facelift, but you're going to see less butts. This is a... <laughs> I don't a, understand that. I've heard this, sort of. Yeah. I, I didn't really follow the story, but, like, but like, why? Like, why do you care? First off, it's a very old game now. Like, a very old franchise, generally speaking. So you're going right. to remaster it and then show less butt. Who cares about butts? You can see butts on daytime television. This is not like no one's concerned about this. Well, and this is the thing. It's it's not even it's not even a it's a clothed butt. So it's like it's not even <laughs> it's not even like this is uh you know something that you couldn't show, you know, a 13-year-old. It's like that's this is this There's part worse of the game on TikTok. I can tell you that right now. Oh, one hundred percent. So, um, man, well, so yes, uh, this is this is to me this is not new. I mean, it's it's, it's silly 
change. If that's if they're making that change for those reasons, I think it's a silly change. Um, and it also seems like that would make this whole remaster much more difficult, or di- more difficult at all if you're if you're removing things or changing. Uh, so anyway, I thought that was silly, but I do think it's pretty cool. And the and the side by side comparisons of the old game versus the remaster, it looks incredible. They are keeping the ending in. Uh, that was controversial. So, um, which I'm actually glad. I, I've said this years ago on this show. I, I don't care. Like I actually liked the choices and the ending. It's their story. I played it, and I've always felt that way about games. You know, it's like you you shouldn't end it just because you don't end it the way I want you to. Even if it's made me mad in movies, it still it wasn't my movie per se. You know, um, that particular series, I know I was a big fan of. I read all the books at that time. I think there were two books before uh, Mass Effect 3 came out. Or by the time Mass Effect 3 came out, I think there were two books that kind of built on uh, the the lore. And so I was, I was much more invested than I was originally. But it definitely wasn't to the level of Star Wars. So I didn't know where the story was going. I thought that was a, I thought that was a adequate ending to it. And they're going to keep that in. I believe they're they're including every bit of the downloadable content, though. So that will segue nicely into our main topic today, um, I think. But but uh, anyway, so that's that's good. That's coming up, and and uh, you know, sad day for less butts. Have you beaten Cyberpunk yet? I have not. No, and I don't know when I will. Like I said, a little too uh, mature for my house to be able to play it. So. <laughs> There's, there has not been safe time to play. Oh, listen, I get that. But you, uh, the only reason that I brought it up is because you said, like, oh, well, it's their story and they're allowed to tell it. Well, let's see. Let's see what you have to say about Cyberpunk's endings. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I, may, I may have to pull, uh, you know, go to Gamer's Little Playground or one of these other uh, YouTube channels and just watch it. <laughs> You really think it's going to be that long before you have a chance to finish it? Wow. How how long was the game for you? How long did it take you to finish it? Like 12 hours total. Oh, okay. I might be able to. Like, if you, like you really do not need to do the side missions, to be honest, in order to be effective. Um, yeah, you really don't have to. There are a couple that you might want to do because then they give you some options for the endings, but... You could just breeze straight through. I, I mean, you would definitely get a different ending from me um, because right. I did all of the side missions. But I'd be interested to see what you think. But I think you could even finish the whole main storyline in under six hours. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. maybe even less. Maybe four if you were really Russian and you had, like, the melee blades from the beginning and you were just meleeing everything on the easiest difficulty. I think you could probably smash it out pretty quick. But I'll just be interested mm-hmm. to see if you hold the opinion that it's their story and they have the right to tell it that way. Because I do agree. I wouldn't want them to change the endings. But in this instance, I felt so cheated that I actually requested a refund, which has literally never happened. Right. So. Yeah, I remember you telling me, and that's that's pretty fascinating. So I will. I'll, I'll try to. I'll try to get that. Uh, that'll be a twenty twenty one goal. <laughs> Toy Toy One Gold. Does it stream? Do you have it for the Xbox or the PS5? PS PS4. Yeah. 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 Maybe play, maybe play it in your bedroom. I guess maybe it might be the, 
Save it. Door shut. It has to be. It has to be at night. Yeah, that's about the only. Or early in the morning. Might be my Saturday morning game. Yeah, I mean, like if you if you just had like a half day, I'm pretty certain you could smash it out. Like it, it isn't that hard. You know, like you right. can. The side quests, some of them are actually quite beefy, and they do add time. So you know, I think if you were just doing the main quest, should be fine. And oh, I've learned like whenever they say you have to be stealthy, f that. Don't ever try to be <laughs> stealthy. So far during the entire game, I never had any consequences for just balls to the walls in it. You know, more bad guys popped up, but it didn't fail me. So I think that's important to remember right. if you're going to try to do it fast. Okay. That's unlike The Last of Us uh, 2, where um, a couple times in that game, you just have to realize, I cannot kill everybody. Like, it will take you too long, and they, they're not expecting you to. You actually should run. A lot of times, and and that was that took a long time for me because that wasn't how I normally played the game, you know. So, but all right, well, that brings us to our main topic today, and and uh, we had a couple angles as we wanted to how I was looking at this topic, but uh, maybe we'll make it into two different shows. But uh, so, in RPGs, how do you go about selecting who you bring along with you? You know, based on how you build yourself, there's there are strategies to best kind of complement your play style and make sure that who you're choosing to bring with you is uh, or are going to be most effective. You know, um, there are a lot of different RPGs. Uh, or, well, there are a lot of different RPGs out there. There are, you know, those that give you a three or four or five person party, um, you know, and, and uh, because of that, there are a lot of dynamics um, to, to consider. So, so, what I what I thought we might do is we might talk about some of our the strategies that we use and kind of how our play styles may differ, uh, and and things that we do. And then I've even got a few examples of uh, some of my favorite um, side characters or that from from different games and why I chose them. Because sometimes it's because you know, and I cause, so I think that adds to the discussion. It it uh, sometimes I choose my side characters just because they got a cool backstory and they do nothing for my party. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, I, I I have some examples as well, but I always try to uh, leave a little bit out of our written descriptions of our shows so that people have something interesting to come to when they listen to us. For sure. Um, on the for recording. Sure. So I think for me, the way that I approached it was is to first look at how I play. Yeah, like what you know, what's my default setting when I open up any RPG? Like, what am I just drawn to? And for me, it's almost always ranged if that's an option. Almost always. Um, bonus points, if there's a chance for me to be a magic user, I'll usually take that. And uh, extra excitement if I have the chance to be a familiar. So maybe something like a hunter or something like that. If there's an option to have like a little little pet friend, you know, that doesn't talk or anything. But, you know, you could pet the dog or whatever. Or you, you've got a dragon sidekick or what. You know, like I, I kind of mm-hmm. like that option. So I would say... In classic sort of D and D classes, I would pretty much always be either a mage, a hunter, a warlock, like those sort of classes. It's very, right. very rare for me to do like a 
barbarian or something like that. Right. Something that is got no stealth, no range, just, you know, like a, a meat shield, like up in the front. That's not usually how I like to play. I have done it. Sometimes in MMORPGs, you're required to play different roles. But that's, right, you know, right. that that's not sort of where I live. I will say that when I realized how underpowered the ranged weapons in Cyberpunk 2077 were, I went full melee. I committed to it. Like, the ranged weapons were such trash garbage and made the game take way longer than it ever had to take. I actually played opposite to how I normally would the entire time. Because um, once I got a katana and I realized that you were one, pretty much one-shotting everything, I was like, well, well <laughs> that's what I'm doing from now on, you know? <laughs> right, right. Well, that makes sense. So, once I pick a sidekick, it's usually to complement my natural playstyle. Do you find that's the same thing for you? Like, are you... I do, yeah. Right, so, so how do you I, normally I typically. Sit? Yeah, well, I and I typically, so, like you, I don't really, I don't normally play the meat shield unless I'm forced to. So there are some games where you start out as the most powerful character in your party. I mean, you usually are the most powerful character in your party, but you usually have to be the tank. You're the one that needs to draw all the attention. I'm the one that goes in first, and then everybody else kind of are your auxiliary, uh, you know, your, your help. Um, and there are those, but... But uh, if I get a chance to kind of pick and make my character the way I want him to, I'm usually a like a, a and I don't know that I don't know enough about DD uh, Dungeons and Dragons to to uh, to have the exact class, but it's probably something like maybe a cleric or a, if there was a version of a cleric ranger type. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. Druid. I, I can yeah maybe a druid. I have. Um, the first character I ever made in Warcraft was a hunter, um, but my favorite character has been a shaman, who is, and I do a, I, I have an enhancement shaman, both of my shaman that I made are enhancement shaman, so they're melee, uh, they get into the fight, but they're definitely just support as much, they're not the ones that are taking the brunt of it, um, but they can kind of do, they're kind of jack of all trades, I can do melee, I can cast some spells, um, but my favorite characters and my favorite build and kind of my go-to, and I can't even help it when I start building my character, is some sort of... The best example I have is a Jedi. So, to make a Jedi. So, in Mass Effect, I made a biotic. That was his... He was, he was made almost 100. I made a Jedi. I see, know, I so stayed I had, away from the biotics. I don't know why. I really found them irritating. <laughs> really? Yeah, and normally See, I like a, magic, but I didn't in that instance. I was very much like a, um, oh, what's that Diablo class with the crossbows? Yeah, Demon Hunter. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty much what I played in Mass Effect, essentially a Demon Hunter. Yeah. Right, and see, that's what I play in, in uh, Diablo, is a Demon Hunter. But I really liked the idea, and, and it was so much easier, I guess, in a way for me to compliment my party when I was the biotic, I didn't have to bring another one. So like, I never really used Liara. I never really used Jack that much. I could always put them in other parties, especially, you know, in number in mass effect two and three, I could put them in different parties because they, uh, you know, they, they complemented those groups. 
And, uh, you know, having a group of just three biotics wasn't smart. It just didn't help me. Um, it didn't help me as much as having Rex, uh, with me and he just go and charge into things and I could kill everything from he behind. He was super fun. Oh, he was the best. You know, he was one of the, he was one of the characters I took with me almost every chance I got, you know. I didn't take him very often because it didn't suit my play style, but I really liked him as a character. See, I had the opposite experience of Bionics because I found that the Bionic crap was throwing them against walls and ceilings. It made targeting, like shooting them with guns, extra irritating. So I banned all Bionics right. from my NPCs. I didn't I didn't oh, bring man. them not even once. Never, never. I had Varric and I think right. the human with me pretty much all the time. Just right. just ranged. That was it. For the same reason, bizarrely, Mass Effect for me was one of the games that was sort of outside of this rule because they had a lot of problems with combat that I think we sort of overlooked because we love the game so much. But you know, the the um what's the guy that you just said the guy who runs in all the time whose name i forgot rex rex he would run in all the time even if you weren't ready even if you were looting things you know like he didn't care (laughs) he was like next one here i go you know what i mean and his like red shield and stuff i couldn't take him with me because like I want to look around and see what's in the map, if there's anything I need to loot, whatever. And he was just off, like soloing another mob on his own, and then you know he'd die. And <laughs> so, um, right, I ended up just taking range people with me. But that is the exception rather than the rule. But I would say it does bring up what is a very important point to me, which is if I'm going to be stealthy at any point, I will never take melee with me. Because I do not trust the AI to not do something stupid. So I only ever take range if I intend to do any stealth stuff whatsoever. Because at least then I know they stay behind me. And they have no reason right. to run ahead and aggro stuff. Right. And and, and I I probably play or err on the, on the other side where I will take a, a bullet sponge with me every time in most of those games. <laughs> Because I, I want that buffer. Because I got to the point at, at a couple of times, because I would, in, in Mass Effect 2 especially, I did all of the side quests. And I did all the side quests in, in Mass Effect 3. And I think I did everything for the most part in Mass Effect 1 too, but I would get to the point where I really could control a room from the back as a botic. So I could put a, two or three of them in stasis at the same time. And so they're, they're just held in space and then Garrus could shoot them. And, and so like I'm, Instead, of, and you'd throw them as well, but I mean, that was just depending on what biotic powers I had the available at the time. Throwing thing was so annoying. Like, oh, I loved it. I'm sure you must have loved it, but like, if those NPCs could talk, they were hating it. They were like, "How am I supposed to shoot something that you are like catapulting across the room? Like, what is this?" <laughs> and I and I think it's funny because the way I looked at it is, I didn't really care what they thought. I was just like, oh. "Look, I'm controlling the room. You guys clean it up." Renegade right? Shepherd. I was. Oh, my face was so cracked in episode in, in Mass Effect Two. Well, I think like. The meat shield thing I will do sometimes, but for me, that depends if friendly fire is on or not. Because I tend to go for AoE style ranged users. So, like, 
magic fireballs and ice rain and ice slick. And, you know, if friendly fire is on and that melee guy is in there just getting absolutely trashed up, do you know, like it's <laughs> just, wrecked. yeah, it's not, it's not worth it for me. So I think if stealth and friendly fire are off, then I'll take a meat shield, 100%. Get Rex in there. Let him do his thing. Like, that's fine for me. But if it's not, then, you know, they need to stay behind me. Like, this is the me right. show. and They are supporting cast. <laughs> I agree, 100%. So, okay, so when, I, when I'm creating my character, when I'm creating and I'm trying to flesh up my party, depending on how I pick, I, I always have at least someone who is almost a... a a dedicated magic user, like somebody who is, and depending on how the RPGs work, sometimes you have those, you know, light or dark aligned magic users, some that are like there for just healing. You have healers and then you've got those that are for damage. And then you get some that can kind of do both. I almost, depending on the game, I almost always brought someone who, who could do both. And not just someone who specialized very rarely. And even as far back as, as uh, Final Fantasy, the original one, where you had you had very specific classes, and there was you who was like a, a knight or a warrior, and then you had a red mage, a white mage, and a black mage, and a ninja. I think we're or a fighter go or something ninja, like that. Go ninja, go ninja, yeah. go. <laughs> well, the red ninja was a was a mix of the white mage, or the the red mage was a mixture of the white mage and the black. White was almost exclusively healing. Black was almost exclusively damage. And the red could do both. And so I absolutely would bring the red one with me. Um, for But that was my play style. I didn't like that they weren't versatile enough to kind of do more, more than one role. Um, How dare the they party. not mop up for you in every regard? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, and again, that probably comes back to my play style is that that would be the case. But I also, if I had the option, many times would would fill my party with uh, heavy offensive, like the heavy offense, maybe maybe one defensive character, but I mean like people who can burn things down real quick um, over over like tedious, slow, you know, just kind of work your way across the map. That was no, I wanted to come through and destroy everything as fast as possible, and so that in a I found the characters that I felt that did that the best in Mass Effect 2 and, and really KOTOR was the first one. And, and, uh, but I think, again, it comes down to how you, how you build your characters. Nowadays, it's a little bit harder for me to tell exactly what I'm doing when I build my character. Not just because they, they name things differently and the way that the, way that the stats seem to work uh, isn't as clear to me as it used to be. So it's it's just a little more vague and and uh, and and you have so many more options. It's like if I pick this and I don't pick this, I'm not really building the character that I want. Um, I, but I don't find that out a lot of times until it's way too late. Like I think that already my character in Cyberpunk is going to be trash because <laughs> I because I started kind of doing the the stealth thing, but I really liked the Mantis the option for that eventually and and they're not on the same tiers or in the same area or, or building the same character yeah and i don't even know if you can respec because actually at some point in the game i was like oh i should really respec because i i thought i was going to shoot guns and then i very quickly realized that guns are pointless and you should right. just go melee <laughs> in this game 
Um, yeah, cyberpunk is a very interesting example of a very strong dilution of how my ideal game goes. Because actually, the gameplay of cyberpunk, I was having the best time. Yeah, first off, I had it on easy, because I always have everything on easy. Um, but because I got so overpowered so quickly from doing side quests, I would go into an area and pretty much just one-shot everybody. I was two-shotting big bosses, like, that are part of this, like, whole side quest where you clear areas of these, like, I don't know, people who have lost their minds with technology. It's weird. It's sort of stupid concept. But, you know, they were supposed to be really challenging bosses. I'd slice them up in three hits, no problem. Do you know? Like, it yeah. started to become, like, fun in that it was not challenging at all so then i just started amusing myself with like how quickly i could like clear a mission out i think like 30 seconds is probably like the best one that i did so far but like i was just going in a place so i'd be like i got you mother trucker oh take that oh like because there was no chance that i was gonna die unless i like stepped on a landmine like at that point i was so powerful i know it doesn't it it may not be necessarily on topic as much, but do you feel like that was still earned? Did you feel like you earned that? A hundred percent. Like I did all okay. the side quests. Like, you know, I just, I think maybe the side quests shouldn't have been as like, they shouldn't have leveled you as easy as they did. I, I don't know. I feel like maybe something was a little unbalanced with the side quest XP. Maybe, but I mean, who cares? I finished the game now. It is what it is. Now that I've seen the ending, I'm like, pfft. I definitely earned it. Like <laughs> they didn't right. earn my time. <laughs> That's what happened there. But I think um, when I am playing a character that is forced to be melee, which sometimes happens, and you get a sidekick, I almost always, in those instances, take a pocket healer for that type of playstyle that I just described. I don't want to stop. I don't want to slow down. I just want somebody to pump me full of healy juice all the time. And that's that. Like, I don't need them to do anything else. Don't get involved. This is my show. Like, you know, if I'm right. forced to play melee, I feel like I get a very less tactical, much more balls to the wall sort of persona when I'm playing. Um, whereas if I'm playing ranged, I'm usually thinking about stuff. I'm usually clearing rooms. I'm looking for loot. You know, it, it's much more slow. I mean, Cyberpunk, it just got to the point where I just stopped looting anything that wasn't legendary. You know, like, I had so right. much loot at that point. Like, it wasn't even worth picking up. The things that I had were so much better, you know. So, um, I think that's the instance where you were saying, I want a balanced healer that can do fighting. I'm sort of the opposite. If if it's the Amanda show, and we are full melee, then I, I don't want anybody taken away from that. Like, they could just be a pocket healer going, like, you know... What is it, Hymn of Glory or whatever they do in uh That's almost a Skyrim uh Elder Scrolls thing, right? I mean that's that's really kind of because that's a party of two where you tend to have a you know, just one other character to as your as your uh support. And I would agree I would hundred percent agree with you. If you're forced into kind of that that role, um, then I I would agree I want somebody who can kind of support and, and in um uh, Star Wars the Old Republic, the the MMO. That's kind of what I would select, you know, depending on my character. But I also actually played only uh, ranged characters. And I would say 70, 80 percent, maybe more of the time when I'm picking my character, I do select a ranged character that has a lot of 
crowd control AOE type uh, of attacks. Something where I can step back from everything. You know, in 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 Swotor, I actually would be I, my two favorite classes were the the smuggler and the and the agent, and they kind of played the same. Just they were on different sides of the spectrum. One was a bad guy. One was a good guy. Um, but uh, they had similar crowd control, similar like bombs and traps and things like that. So, um, so they played very similarly. But I just kind of enjoyed that style. So if I selected that person, I would have somebody that kind of. Uh, I either selected a tank to draw away people from me, or I selected a a healer. Uh, but I found actually with when I was not playing uh the tank or not playing a character like the tank that the healer didn't help me as much because you're a lot squ- you're much more squishy as a as a ranged. So so I think that's the point though. In the end, how you're building your t- your team out depends on how many characters you have in your party. And then how you've how your character is supposed to be played, and if you even have a choice, you know, if you're if you're a uh, melee character, then uh, you know somebody who is ranged healer is what you're going to want to bring with you. If you've only got one support character, if you've got two, then I like you do in Mass Effect. The way I played it was I was the biotic, and I had one tank, and then I either brought a another ranged or a rogue type character with me. That was that could kind of get in behind everything, and uh, my two favorite ones uh, were uh, Zayed or Zaid. He was a DLC character that you could get that was just way OP. I didn't have that one, no. Yeah, uh, he was he was great, and the only time you would even get him or see him was if you went to the I think it's what was the you know that that club that that yeah. just was out in space. Well, right when you go in the club, if you had the DLC, he's standing there. He, he just like when you when you downloaded it, he'd just be standing there and you talk to him. It's a very short conversation. and He goes and gets on your ship. And then from there, you know, you can just build the story. He didn't have much of a backstory and anything, but he did have some side quests you could do for him. And then the other one was uh, Kasumi. Right. Uh, the You know, the thief. Oh, OK. So the, I actually once I got them, both of them were. Uh, downloadable content characters. Wow, I don't remember the thief. She must have been boring. <laughs> well, she was only in one DLC. It was way late after the game was released. Oh, then I never played it. I didn't do the DLC. Right. And it was I think it was in the DLC when they go to the Citadel and uh, they kind of party at the Citadel or whatever. I think that was the one. She was re- she was there trying to steal something and you catch her and then you end up helping her do it and then she joins your party. And once she does that, you can uh, do her side. You can add her. Yeah, you can do all her side quests and stuff. So, so yeah, but that's. I think for the last thing that I would say as a consideration is whether or not you share items with your party. For me, that's quite important because I would not want the NPCs sharing items that I can use. So I would never take any any NPC that's the same class as me so that that way any drops that are the type of weapon that I'm capable of using, I can equip without having a weekend team. Um, I think that's actually quite an important consideration for some games that have class-based weapon drops. Um, I forget what game it was that I was playing where I failed to do this. And I really fell in love with a character that, um, I, and I really enjoyed this character, but they kept 
taken all the weapons off of me. Uh, because there was like, they had their own drops and then you had your own drops. And every mm -hmm. time I looked at their equipment stream, they had way better items than I did. I was like, wait a minute, this random number generator is tossing you way better stuff. And um, I mean, this was obviously a long time ago. And from that point on, I was like, right, so I'm going to build a party where there aren't any duplicates of my class. It doesn't matter if there's duplicates of, you know, people that use melee weapons, people that use sniper rifles, whatever. Um, but I, if I'm using a magic staff, there will be no other magic staff enabled people on my party because I think that's really important for you to feel confident equipping your NPCs well because yeah. I, in my opinion and I don't know if you find this if someone else on your team can use the same weapon that you can almost guaranteed you're going to give yourself the better weapon and they're always going to get the second you know the second good weapon absolutely so I think for me that's the last consideration so if I were to sum it up I would say First, you know, what's my play style? Is there stealth involved? Is friendly fire on? And um, do uh, am I using the same weapon as other people in the class? Is that, a, is that a consideration? If it's just guns and everybody can use guns, it's not a problem. But if, right. if it's specific class weaponry, maybe it's something to consider. Those are sort of the four key things that I would go off of. Right. And I would say just to recap, my stance is similar to yours. I, I just think that... Uh, for ease of play and for, uh, you know, minimizing uh, difficulty, you know, if you just want to play with certain characters, that's obviously play your game the way you want to play it. But um, if if you're trying to make your game maximize the uh, the effect your party can have on the outcome of something, you know, balancing it out as much as you can to have uh, the classes covered that you got a you got a caster or healer there. You've got somebody who's uh, dedicated, you know, bullet bullet sponge or, or, or meat shield and then you you know and then you've got somebody who is kind of the in-between maybe is ranged as well so two ranged uh and a, and a meat shield uh and one of those needs to be able to do some healing if that's you or if that's another character in the party and that's if you got three but just try to balance them out i know that uh, in diablo i was just thinking about in diablo uh you know i played the demon hunter first but for me to maximize what i could do as the demon hunter i needed some big oaf to run into the, the the thick of it and take take on you know that just charges into stuff and and the crusader was the one i kind of took with me almost everywhere i went just because we were kind of the opposite ends of the spectrum and anytime we talked he would talk about you know the light and and god and the everything and i'm like you know and i'm i'm a demon hunter so and uh and but then when i i played as a i cannot remember the the class now, but you, they added a class in, in Diablo that's kind of like the Crusader. It may be the Crusader. I can't remember. But effectively, you What's have like a nine foot tall. No, you have like a, a, all the big armor and the big sword or axe and a big shield. And uh, so you kind of played just like the Crusader. So um, it was added with the Witch Doctor, I believe. So. All right. Uh, uh, but I found when I played that character, I had to offset that with a melee or i mean i'm sorry with a ranged character so you know i just think finding balance no matter how you pick your your class and how, how you your particular play style is finding something that fills in those gaps and uh you know and, and that will maximize your play you know or, or in terms of your effectiveness out there in the game 
but, you know, in the end, play it the way you want me. Play it the way you want me. Play it the way you want Well, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All of the notes from this week's episode can be found on our site, TheBlowGeek.com. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or message message us on Facebook or Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcast. And please head over to wherever you download your podcast and rate us because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later. <laughs>